everyone. everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this very important interview. I say it all the time, but we live in outrageous times. Everything is upside down. Truth is deemed hate, and it's illegal to question or be critical of certain topics. Meanwhile, actual criminals, they're, you know, with actual real victims, they roam free. You know, for many, they're just in a, just a state of disbelief because it hasn't touched them personally. But the reality is people are being jailed for thought crimes. Joining me is UK's one of their premier thought crimes, Jada Franson. Welcome. Hi, thank you. It's good to be here. Now, let's back up and really get your story because you spent time in jail last year. So what happened? So um, March last year, March 2018, I was jailed on the 7th of March for nine months. And the reason I was jailed is I went after, I basically exposed a grooming gang, a Muslim grooming gang. Um, four men kidnapped a child. She went into a pizza shop to ask them for directions. And instead of giving her directions, they took her to a flat upstairs and they gang raped her four times <sighs> each. Um, yeah. Now, this is, I have to say, there is estimated to be a million girls in the UK that have been the victims of, of grooming and rape gangs, right? So this is not an isolated incident. But it was so, it was just so horrific. The locals got in touch with me and said, would you come and address this issue and raise awareness? Of course, I said yes. The, the most horrifying thing was that the men were actually on bail and they were bailed to the address that the crime had taken place and the pizza shop that she went into was still being run by the man who was on bail, who organized the whole disgusting um, act. And the people in the local community had no idea that their neighbor had raped a child and got all of his friends to join in. Oh, <laughs> sickening. Mm. And then, no, uh, you, you were arrested two or three times though, correct? Oh gosh! <laughs> I can, I mean, so one for a speech, one for leaflets. So yeah, fill us fill us in on all those details. Right. Okay. So just to start with, I've probably been arrested more times than I can remember. Um, I don't know, dozens of times, but all different, you know, nonsense basically. Um, at the moment, I have some ongoing trials. I've, well, in fact, I've just been convicted on the last two trials that I stood in Northern Ireland. So. I served nine months in England, in an English jail last year for giving out leaflets and uh, to the neighbours of these gang rapists in Ramsgate and saying, these men are rapists, don't let your child into that shop because he's still in there. So they gave me nine months in jail for that. Um, they then, I've also, I was arrested for a speech that I gave outside City Hall in Belfast, Northern Ireland. That was at an anti-terror rally. And at the time, I quoted the Quran, the Islamic scriptures. I didn't give my opinion on the scriptures. I just simply told the crowd what the Islamic scriptures say. And I was arrested in England, brought over to Northern Ireland on a, on a boat and charged with hate speech. Um, and then after I got out of court for that, they grabbed me again and arrested me again for a video that I made, which was about a minute and a half long in Belfast again, along a peace line, which is a really, a tall wall which separates communities in Northern Ireland up following the troubles. And I explained that in my opinion, we're gonna have those peace lines in on the mainland. Again, they said that was hate speech, I wasn't allowed to say it. And um, I've just been convicted for both trials. Yeah, as you can see here, I was trying to look at some of your YouTube videos earlier and I found, I don't know if four or five of your latest ones were put in a limited state. 
So yes. I had to be able to go, you know, Google search them to come up. But so here you are, you're being charged as this uh, horrible thought criminal, you're thrown in jail, and now you can't even defend yourself and get get the word out. I mean, I'm surprised this dream, I don't know, who knows, maybe this dream will be limited too. You're banned on Facebook, on Twitter, you can't t- accept donations for your trial. So what are your thoughts on all this outrageous censorship? Um, I mean, it is, it, it's, as you said, it is utterly outrageous. Um you know why? Because millions of, of men fought, bled and died for us to enjoy those freedoms, the freedoms of speech and expression. And they're being taken away from us in the most shameless fashion. I mean, there's, they're not even trying to sugarcoat it. I was, I was in prison for one week um, last year and I was sat in a cell down the block because they put me into solitary confinement. I was down the block watching this tiny little TV and uh, Prime Minister's questions were on and they stood up in the Commons and said to Theresa May, can you congratulate Facebook for removing all of my pages? Three million followers just gone. Um, and they're just like, they're just so proud of themselves. And I think the fact is, I, I do not belong to any terrorist organization. I am not on the streets inciting any, any violence. So the the fact that I can just be censored and completely de-platformed and they can all celebrate and pat themselves on the back, um, it's just it's just indicative of the police state that we live in in the UK. The UK is completely gone. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's like a, a bad dystopian totalitarian sci-fi movie or something, you know, like it's actually happening. So I want to talk about your speech here in Belfast. It was hosted by Jolene Bunting, who I've had on. Uh, You were the only woman speaker, and if I heard correctly, you were the only one found guilty for giving the speech, right? Yes, that's right. So Um, how's that? uh, (laughs) Yeah, how do you like that? I mean, you just couldn't couldn't write it. I just, there were four of us that spoke. There were four of us in the dock on Friday, um, the 29th of March, just gone, and... The judge just, it was just incredible. He just dismissed the three men and said, oh, she's guilty on all charges, on both trials. And I don't know. I mean, look, there's certainly a level of state persecution that I am experiencing that has not been seen before. We've had people in this country that have been, they've, they've been pursued by the police and the authorities, but never to this level. I mean, I'm looking at another year in jail for that speech and the other video. That's what I'm facing for those those two trials. I'm also facing, I don't know, a sentence that could be anything from three months upwards in England because, simply because I'm, I'm not living in England on the streets because I'm living in my home in Northern Ireland. So I'm just, this jail, <laughs> they want to lock me up left, right and centre. And for what? For quoting the scriptures in a book? <laughs> just it's ludicrous it's blasphemy law that's what it boils down to you can't insult that ideology in the uk what do you think they're really so afraid of though is it uh you know it's just funny because we always hear about women empowering women and letting their voices be heard and then when it's women like you and i you know oh we could put them in prison and we can censor them and we can ban them uh, do you think that they're more threatened because you're a woman speaking about these things i think so yes i think they're there are two elements really to the, the fear. Um, and I'd say the first is yes, there are not many women, um, present company exempt, but there aren't many women that will speak out as you and I do. 
And of course, as soon as you do that, it, it raises attention because, and awareness because there's not, there's not many of us out there doing it. But the other thing, I guess, with me would be that I'm probably more radical, if you like, for want of a better. So when I was in prison, they decided, they sent me this, um, this psychoanalyst report saying that you, you are an extremist. This is now a fact. So I'm now an extremist, and this is on paper, and it's, it's now a fact, right? That's what they told me. And the, thing, the reason they, they label me an extremist is because I have very strong views and I don't, and I stick to them. So whether those views be on um, the, you know, Islamic scriptures or on um, abortion or, you know, whatever they might be, I'm, I'm, you could say I'm quite hardline and I'm uncompromising. And so I think when you have a female that's uncompromising, it probably rattles the state. Well, it seems to have rattled the state to the point where I've, I'm being treated worse than I've ever seen any man or woman be treated in the UK. And uh, I guess that's that just goes to show that, you know, maybe I'm maybe it's because I'm saying the right thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now, how were you treated in jail? Well, I was, as I said, I was put into solitary confinement, which was, which, yeah, I mean, six weeks down the block, 24 hour lockup, didn't see another soul, couldn't go to church, wasn't allowed to go to the gym. Um, this was over Easter as well. I said, I explained to them that I'm, I'm Christian, I'm Catholic, I need to go to mass, uh, I need to go to church throughout Holy Week. They said, no, nope, you're not leaving this cell. And I didn't. They, they took me out the cell, walked me across the corridor to a shower that they locked. Um, and then when I was done, I had to bang on the door and then they put me back in the cell. So that was, in all honesty, I have to say it was quite a refreshing experience because there was part of me that probably needed that time to just spend with a Bible, just me and God, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so it didn't, it didn't do me any harm. After that, I was moved to a different prison. The reason they moved me is that the first one they put me in was full of Islamic terrorists. And there, was, there, were, there were Islamic terrorists upstairs that had plotted to cut mine and some other prominent right-wing figures in the UK mm. with the, our heads off. Bought a dummy and practiced cutting our heads off, right? <laughs> 15 years for this. Um, one, of the, one of the Islamic extremist um, uh, inmates had actually put a hit out on me and um, instructed another inmate to get down to segregation and kill me. So when I got to the second jail, this is so ironic, but the person that had been ordered to carry out this hit turned up at the second jail. And I don't know whether it's just instinct, but I knew immediately what was going on. You could just tell without any words or any anything being spoken, I just knew what was going on. Um, needless to say, I'm still here. <laughs> so they weren't successful and I spent my time in prison, reading, um, praying, and in the gym, which did me a lot of good. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure that you could protect yourself too, right? <laughs> Lifting weights. You were uh, training, if you will. Yeah. Okay, so then you get out. Nine months, you serve this prison sentence, basically, for exposing a rape gang. And then you find out that you're banned from living in your own home in Northern Ireland, correct? Tell us about this. Yeah, <laughs> So I, after I served nine months, I told my probation officer that I was going home to my house in Northern Ireland. She then told me that I had to live in an approved premises uh, that was approved by her, right? 
And the only place that she was approving was a hotel in London, one hotel in London that I had to pay for for eight months. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's just great. Like, you have to. Honestly, I think if I didn't have the paperwork to evidence all of this, which I, I, always, I put out on my website frequently, because I'm, I'm almost certain that people would think I've just lost my mind. <laughs> it's, it's almost too bizarre to sound true, but I can assure you it is. So she said, no, you can't move to your house in Northern Ireland. If you do, um, we're going to arrest you. And we're going to put you in jail. So I just got on a flight and went to Northern Ireland, just went home. And then since then, I've been arrested uh, by armed police on an aeroplane at Gatwick Airport. I've been in court. I've been convicted of breach. I've been served with summons back to court for another six counts of breach. And this is all because I just want to live in my own home. Now, when I explained to my probation officer that I could not live in England because I don't, it's not where my home is. It's a different country and I don't have a home in England. Her response was, it's okay for you to be homeless in England. We have lots of people on these supervisional oh, that are homeless, right? Oh just my have goodness. To more regularly if you're homeless. <laughs> there you go. <sighs> And it's just out, and it's just so hard to believe. But then also, Martin Sellner are talking about people that have been banned from countries in Europe, other Europeans who can't go to other European countries. Martin Sellner, this is just recently. Jared Taylor, we had Tommy Robinson, Brittany Pettibone, even Milo, right in Australia. Lauren Southern, Jonas Nielsen, all these other nationalists are also being banned from countries or, or thought criminals, I should say. They've done nothing wrong. They're guilty of just thinking differently. Uh, <laughs> you're not going along with the leftist agenda. Agenda. Meanwhile, the borders are just wide open and anyone can just walk right in, right? Yeah, I know. It's it's incredible. And and it really is it really is something that people need to start waking up to. And we people are waking up in the UK now finally. Not so much um well they they're aware of the fact that free speech has been restricted because we've had some high profile indications as in mine and Tommy Robinson. But at the moment as well, we have Brexit and we're not getting Brexit. And that is showing people that their vote and their democratic rights actually don't mean squat when you live in this, what, what is a complete police state. Um, so the, the, the government in the UK, the British establishment are showing the British people utter contempt. And so it's starting, finally, people are starting to wake up and realize, hold on a minute, this this isn't right. I, I was given a choice that I was entitled to. And now I want to see the result of that being implemented. It's not happening. But, it, you know, I fear that Britain's gone too far already. Mm -hmm. um, I would never give up because, you know, no surrender. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it is a very, very difficult situation to live in and to watch your country just fall apart around you. And to, to, to see so many people just kind of getting on with their lives because I guess maybe they don't understand, they don't appreciate that if they can do this to me, they can do this to you. That's the way I, I think of this. Yeah, I mean, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare when you're awake to these things and you see it happening and then there's people who just are completely oblivious or just going along with it. Now, on that note, what are your, your biggest criticisms to, today politically in the UK? Oh, gosh, how long have we got? Yeah. <laughs> um, right, the problem we've got in the UK is that we have 
an establishment that is run by corrupt, self-serving career politicians who are not, we don't have, there's no form of nationalism or patriotism, right? Mm -hmm. They are, they're peddling an agenda which, which frankly is outdated. So the, the British establishment collectively, I mean, we've got the, we've got the, the setup that you'd imagine you've got in America insofar as the conservatives are meant to be, you know, right wing or conservative. And then you've got Labour who are just left wing loonies, right? Like the Democrats, uh, just Democrats and Republicans. But there is, there's no, there are no real conservatives in the UK and not, certainly not in government. They're liberal. All of them are liberal. Mm -hmm. And so you've got this kind of soft liberal and then you've got the hardline cultural Marxists, um, you know, would like to see the, the UK under complete communist control. And that's the likes of Jeremy Corbyn. There's no one with a backbone. That's the problem. That is the biggest grievance with the with, with the establishment is that there's no backbone. There's no and there's not actually no consideration, no love, no care. If we took the money out of politics, it would draw out the people that have a genuine concern and love for their country and their people. But unfortunately, these these um, these self-serving um, maniacs are all feeding from the same trough and ruining the country. And so we're seeing we're seeing the most obscure agendas being peddled, and and it's really quite dangerous. So what what really grieves me is that the the state have made a point of um, making sure the family, traditional family values are completely destroyed, right? They've, they've spent a long time attacking traditional Christian values in the UK and they've almost dissolved them. The churches are falling, the churches are, are, are rotten. I mean, you'd have to see the, the, the leaders of these churches and what they're up to and, and, the, and the messages that they're peddling. And see, once you lose that, once a country becomes an, an apostate nation and they lose any moral compass, what is left? You're left with generations that are being indoctrinated into, you know, these crazy ideas of, of this, you know, non-binary nonsense and kids choosing their race and their gender and their age. And it's just a free-for-all. Yeah. You've got a society that is allowed to do whatever it likes. And that is, well, it's anarchy, really. Um, it, it's a very strange mix in the UK. But we are certainly, we are certainly one of the only places in Europe, really. I mean, you'd you'd, you'd be forgiven for mistaking this for, for some sort of communist state, the way people are treated that that oppose the, the status quo, the government's line. You, that's what you're looking at. It's like it's not more like Korea. <laughs> Now, people have different ideas on this, but who who do you think is really ultimately behind the attempts to transform Europe into a non-European, non-Christian, non-pagan continent, and why do you think that is? Who do I think is behind it? Right, so I think there, I think there is really an overhang from a, a legitimate agenda. Now, this isn't me, this isn't me plugging this agenda, right, because I don't, obviously, I don't agree with it. But gone are the days or the times when there was a legitimate, like cultural Marxist agenda that was backed by world leaders. Those days have gone. That agenda's finished. That whole regime is has been pushed to the wayside, right? It's been abandoned. 
it was a legitimate agenda and it did have huge backing. But we're talking about generations past that no longer exists. What we have now is an overhang of extreme liberalism. And these liberals don't even know what they're, they don't know what they're asking for. They don't know what they're fighting for. They don't know why. They don't know what the, the purpose is. They don't know what the goal is, what the end result will be. There is nothing because they have nothing. So they have nothing about them. There's no belief. This atheism is, is pushed and, and kind of self-idolizing is promoted and, and all of that kind of carry on. So I would say that largely it comes just once again from, from the, the, the corrupt and self-serving world leaders who are almost revel in the destruction of any kind of sovereignty of any nation. They just want an, almost a, a world order. They want everyone under one umbrella. We saw it with the EU and they wanting to dissolve the, the um, separate nation states armies and just have one EU army. I mean, what are we talking about? It's ridiculous. It's absolutely absurd. Um, so I actually fear that there is not a specific tangible agenda that you can pinpoint and say, right, well, at least we know what's happening and who's peddling it and why. You haven't got that anymore. You've just got a, a, a disproportionate amount of liberal lunatics that have managed to push their way to the top and silence the majority of the people below them. Because I have to say, and this is one of the things I've always maintained, is that I speak as a voice for the silent majority we are not the minority. We might feel like we are, and believe you me, there are days or you know nights when I'm in prison cells and police cells and vans and what have you that I think, oof, I feel pretty, feel pretty alone in my thoughts, or I'm reading these mad articles and I think, am I the only one that's enraged by this? So sometimes you can feel like you're a minority, but believe you me, we're not. The majority of people are just too scared to say anything. They don't want to be. They don't want to be persecuted and prosecuted and demonized and labeled. And they're all, all of these things are silencing techniques and they've worked for decades in this country. Um, but I, I hope that people are starting to wake up. Well, clearly there is an agenda to <laughs> flood Europe with, uh, let's be honest, non-Europeans. Look at England, look at the massive demographics, which... Uh, what what could be the benefit in that, even for these you know rich white uh, liberals and other groups that are on top? I know it's absurd, isn't it? It's population replacement. There's no other way to to describe it. I mean, and and I'm from London. I grew up in London. Um, I no long, longer live there, and you couldn't pay me to, to be honest, because I'm not safe in my home city. I'm a minority in my hometown. And I, I'm a, I've been attacked, you know, you can get attacked for walking through a Muslim area. And, and, you know, Donald Trump said a few years ago about no-go zones and everybody, all the newspapers in England tried to mock him. But believe you me, there are plenty of no-go zones in Britain. And I've entered them and I've filmed while I've entered these no-go zones. And then I've put them on the internet to show people this is what we're dealing with in this country. So there's evidence out there. It's not just a theory that Donald Trump uh, dreamt up one day. But there is certainly, there's, there's absolutely an agenda to just replace the indigenous European population with immigrants. And you, you can, you know what, you can drive yourself mad trying to work out 
why these rich white liberal politicians and government officials and, and world leaders would possibly do that especially when they've got children you know you think well what people say to me all the time but Jada what about their kids they've got kids surely they care these people don't care about anything but themselves these people are self-worshipping vermin i mean there's no there's no well, other and way. a lot of them can just kind of run off to other countries they live in their ivory towers a lot of them have a lot of money so they can send their kids to private schools so they can just be unscathed by the things that they're creating they can for now i mean the, the private school thing and they're not in my backyard it's working at the moment there are parts of england that you can retreat to and you're pretty safe but that's not going to last for long no. you know they no. called it they called it white flight um years ago when when immigration was starting to filter into London and there were areas that were basically being colonized because the government didn't have the foresight, or maybe they did have the foresight because they had an agenda, but um, I'll let you decide. I think I, I agree with the latter. But the government were allowing areas to be colonized and turned into ghettos and then the indigenous people were looking around and saying, well, this, isn't, this doesn't resemble our culture. All of a sudden, everyone on this street is from a different culture, speaking a different language wearing traditional clothing that we don't recognize, eating food that we don't we don't know anything about, and there's no integration. It's not like having a neighbor that's from a different culture that you can you can, you know, you can meet and you can learn from and you can share your traditions with. That wasn't it, it was colonization. So they called it the media called it white flight. And it started within central London and it's gone further and further and further and it's gone out into the home counties and it's gone out into Kent. And there are towns and cities in the north that are completely gone. And I would say within 15 years, um, and that's probably being, I think, I think within 15 years, there is going to be civil unrest um, oh, yeah. on the, oh, yeah. of the it, UK. And I mean serious, serious bloody unrest. Um, but certainly the population, the demographics dictate that we have already lost. The only way for us to claw anything back would be in, in, in some sort of civil battle because you have to look at the demographic state. Let's take, for example, the Muslim population in Britain. On average, they're having 8.5 children per couple and Brits, indigenous Brits are having 1.2 per couple. That isn't enough to replace the two people. That's, that's not even one human per human. It's one human per two humans. So if that's the easiest way to, to explain it to people is that, you're not even sustaining and replace, you know, and, and, and keeping it at a, at a decent rate, let alone um, growing the population. It's halving. So whilst it's halving by the indigenous Brits and it's multiplying 8.5 fold with the Muslim population, how do you think that's going to work? And these people have four wives. So. You know. Exactly. And there's also a lot of reasons for why a lot of European people aren't having kids. You know, for years, we dealt with all kinds of propaganda, don't have kids or the environment, and then it becomes expensive. You know, I, I know people that have kids and they try and get help and they can't because they're last in line now for all these, you know, new Europeans that are coming in. So it is quite outrageous. And now, if we just simply talk about, hey, I want England for the English, or I want Sweden for the Swedish, you get called a white supremacist, even in Europe now. What do you think about that? Yeah, these are silencing tactics. That's all they are. You can't, and I'm not exaggerating, honestly, sometimes I listen to things that I say and think, people would think that I'm making this up, but you can Google it, it's there. So for example, like St. George's Day, if you, 
you have to read some of the articles that have been released around St George's Day. We've had politicians, right, from the opposition party, so the Labour Party, which is one of the, the two main parties in the country. It would be like it's like the Democrats, right? We've had politicians taking photographs of people's houses on St George's Day because they've got a St George's flag, which is the flag of England, by the way. It's not a white supremacist flag. It's not a Nazi flag. It's not a swastika on there. It's the flag of England. It's a Christian cross, right? It's a cross of St George. They've, the people that fly that outside their house, we've had politicians actually um, tweet saying, this is racist. This person, look at this white van and a flag must be racist. It's like, what? <laughs> you know, like if you went to Spain on holiday and you saw a Spanish flag, you would not kick up and call them a bunch of racists. You'd look and go, that's quite normal, right? So what we've got now is, and this is spreading across Europe, not just the UK, but the UK has pretty much kicked this lunacy off and everyone else is jumping on board. But it's all silencing tactics. You can't be a proud white European. That makes you a racist. You can be a proud to be black. That's fine. You can be proud to be Muslim. That's fine. You can be proud to be, you can be proud to be gay. You can be proud to be all sorts. See, if you're a proud Englishman, oh, you're a racist. If you're proud to be white, you're a racist. And I don't understand, I don't understand how we've allowed this to happen. I don't understand, and I don't want to speak ill of, of past generations, but you have to, I have to put some responsibility onto the people that have allowed this for generation yeah. after generation. How did we get here to the point where we can't even celebrate our own nationality without being not just labelled, people lose their jobs in this country for making patriotic or nationalist statements or putting up, sharing a post from a, a patriotic political party can get you your job lost. I mean, people lose their jobs and then by default they lose their home and they can't feed their children and the government has no, no qualms, no issues, sleep well at night. Yeah, you know, it just makes you think there it seems like there really is a really hostile, subversive group within our governments that really just want to destroy us. I mean, you mentioned cultural Marxism earlier. Have you looked into at all of some of the thought coming out of uh, Frankfurt School? I have, yes. Mm -hmm. And again, I mean, I would say this is this is these are my feelings on it now though right i would say that if you look at those if you look at those those theories and those ideologies and you take them as a as a legitimate cause if you like right not something that i would consider to be legitimate as in i'm not promoting it but it was it was it was it was a thing it was something that it was there you could read it was tangible it was a plan it was backed this is this these are kind of irrefutable agendas no one's peddling those agendas anymore. They've been left with people that actually don't, well, they're being peddled, but the people that are peddling them don't have a clue why. They have no idea. So you've got this overhang of legitimate agendas that were designed to suppress and to control and for the, basically the elite to, to flourish and everybody else to live under the, their oppressive regime. That was a legitimate agenda. That agenda has kind of fallen to the wayside and the people that have picked it up can't, you know, can't add up, <laughs> they, they, you, let alone leave them in charge of the country. They don't know what they're doing. They're, they're more dangerous than the actual orchestrators and the original thinkers, the original designers of these agendas. At least they were quite honest <laughs> and, and were quite 
you know, there was there was a reason behind it, whether it's absolute lunacy or not. At the moment, we are left with self-sabotaging maniacs. I think I just think we're in the end times, to be honest. But you can't really use that as just a blanket excuse to say, oh, we're in the end times, let them crack on. It's dangerous and there needs to be some kind of revolution. Otherwise, um, that there will just we will spiral into a state of, first of all, we're living under oppressive regimes, but the only option will be for a very, very bloody uprising across the world. And against what? A handful of elite? How are we allowing this to happen? Where are the yeah. people? Yeah. yeah, exactly. I know. You know, some people talk about the activities of groups like uh, Paideia run by Barbara Lerner Spectre. I don't know if you've heard her. Uh, also, many NGOs, like uh, there's one called actually Israel, who's open about helping migrants get into Europe illegally. In fact, we got a strike on a video for even talking about that. And I know there's lots of angles to this and many people involved, and I don't expect everyone to talk about it or, or take everything on or know every side. Uh, I'm happy to support, you know, bringing attention to all aspects of, of things that are happening problems surrounding mass immigration. But have you looked into any of those groups like uh, Israel or uh, Paideia and some of the things coming out of there? Um, yeah, I mean, not not in any great detail, but I am aware of, look, there are certainly people that are, they are peddling an, an agenda, right? And, and I am not ignorant to that. I think that you'll find there are more than one agendas going on, well, certainly, that are at play here. There's not just one I mean, I've had, you know, look, I have people come to me with theories about what's going on every day of the week. And the, the crux of the matter is that no matter, no matter what the force is, no one is more powerful than the entire population, right? But for some reason, we are being manipulated. Now, that manipulation comes from, comes from infiltration of every element of our lives. So, for example, the education system, the media... Um, our, our children are being taught from a very young age that these liberal and sort of anti-Christian values, and there there are certainly agendas going on. I can't say that I know any of these groups particularly well, but I'd certainly be um, I'm certainly happy to discuss and to delve into any of those theories because I don't think anything can be discounted when we're when we're dealing with this level of um, of treachery from the people that are supposed to be, you know, running our, our nation and our, and our world, you certainly need to open your eyes to some maybe slightly more obscure theories. Exactly. And I think that's why free speech is so important. And that is why they imprison people for wrong think they don't want these ideas floating out there because ultimately they're in a weak position. They fear truth. They fear people exploring and looking into these ideas for themselves and, and piecing things together. Uh, now it's just a real clampdown, you know, after New Zealand happened, a lot of sketchy things around that. But, uh, you know, now they're trying to ban nationalism for white people. <laughs> However, that's going to go down in Facebook. Where do you think that this is this is heading? I mean, you might be going back to jail again. Where is this heading? Yeah, well, I'm almost certainly going back to jail. So that's a bit of a given. I think in terms of where we're headed, anyone who puts their head out above the parapet and speaks out is going to be persecuted. And I'm a prime example of that. But the problem is, is that I'm not in the minority in my thinking, but I am in my speaking. And there's the problem, is that people need to start. You know what the problem is in the UK? Is that we haven't suffered, right? We haven't mm -hmm. suffered 
enough or more or, or recently enough for us to get a grip of this situation. If you go to other parts of Europe, like for example, Poland or Hungary, and these people have lived within a lifetime, you can speak to someone that's lived under a, an, an oppressive regime of, of a you know, socialist, real hardship. And, and it, you know, you can see it, you can see it's visible when you go to these places. And then the level of nationalism is like nothing you would ever witness in the UK, because you just can't, you can't get enough people to, 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 to bother. It's quite sad, really, but they can watch X Factor take their kids to school. They're quite happy just burying their heads in the sand, giving it the ostrich effect, this isn't happening to me. You go to these other nations in Europe and you see those levels of, levels of nationalism and patriotism, and it's because they have suffered. We have not in the UK. We haven't suffered enough yet. We're starting to suffer, but it, it's... And this sounds ridiculous. You know the way that we're suffering is our freedoms are being restricted, but they're being done quite subtly and they're being done... They're being done... Kind of, they're almost being justified. So they're saying, well, we're only restricting Jada's speech because, you know, she's a horrible extremist. I said, that's all right. It's not me. It's her. And we like Jada, but it's all right because it's not me. It will be you. It will exactly. be you by... Um, exactly. <laughs> And, and so, you know, where are we headed? I think I'd love to say that we're headed for some sort of um, revolution. Whether, when that comes, I, I really don't know. But we are headed for some really difficult times. And it's going to be a shock to the system of many Brits. Yeah, I think you're right. People are too comfortable. They have everything. They haven't suffered. And then you look at countries like in Eastern Europe, they've been through hard communism, hard times. They're more nationalistic. It's like America, too. They're, they're so soft. Uh, most Americans, they haven't gone through any hard times. Their ancestors did all the hard work. Now they just have the bread in the circus and, and they can shield themselves. It's a big country. They can kind of hide and they think it's not going to affect me. It's not going to touch me. But one day it is. And that's why it's important to support people like Jada and uh, Tommy and people like us who are being banned and, and censored and silenced. I think that we need to cast a wider net and really support each other. What do you think about the idea, Jada? Because I know that there's some people on the right, they, you know, <laughs> they have kind of differing views with each other. But I would really like to see more of a, a unity there because it's important. Times are tough and we need all the people that we can get to fight back. Yeah, absolutely. Now, here's here's something that I'm asked regularly. So there's really there are two kind of I suppose prominent um, right-wing activists in in the UK on the mainland, um, well, in the whole of the UK, and you'd say that that was Tommy Robinson and myself. Now, you'd have to look at this, and Tommy and I almost run in parallel to each other because you know we work separately, and he does his thing, I do my thing. Um, you'd have to look at what's going on to both uh, both of us at the same time. So. I was watching the other day and he had his YouTube was restricted. Now that happened to me a few months ago. Um, and then I had something, I don't know, I can't remember what it was. I had something restricted. I make everything gets restricted, right? But like every, every other story is Tommy's been restricted. Tommy's been banned. Jade has been banned. Jade's been, it's just constant. So, and people always say, well, what are your thoughts on people like Tommy or other, others working around the world who, are being persecuted and their, and their freedoms are being restricted. And I can't express enough how much people need to get behind those issues because, it, right, for example, with Tommy Robinson, we have very, very differing views, like hugely. I would be considered extremely hardline and traditional 
within the right wing community. And actually, it probably puts some of them off because I'm, I, I am hardline. I'm traditional. I believe in Christian values. I have campaigned against abortion and LGBTQP nonsense being peddled to our kids and this non-binary agenda. I don't believe in, I, you know, I'm against mass immigration. I'm not for multiculturalism. I don't agree with multiculturalism. I agree with, you know, nations having their own identity. Um, and so on that note, Tommy and I would differ on pretty much every single one of those subjects because he'd be, you know, by his own admission, he'd be um, a liberal, not a, not a liberal in, you know, like the Democrat sense or, or the Labour Party over here. But his views are liberal on those subjects and mine aren't. They're very traditional and hard line. But and, and the, I suppose where we meet in the middle is Islam. We have both campaigned against Islam and for doing so we have both been persecuted. We've campaigned against Muslim grooming gangs, against Muslim extremists, and we've both been persecuted. So it doesn't actually matter that the vast majority of the topics that we discuss, that we discuss, we don't actually agree on, right? Mm. We don't, I don't need people to agree with me for everything. For me to say the way they are being treated is wrong. It just so happens that our main topic over the last five years, which has been Islam, we have almost identical views and we have expressed them. Everything else, we probably don't even see eye to eye on most of it, but that doesn't matter. Do you know what? I wouldn't care, and this is, this is genuine, I wouldn't care if this was happening to someone from the Socialist Workers' Party, like an extreme left-wing nutjob. I would still have to, I'd have to be true to myself and to my values and to, the, to the, the people, the men that have sacrificed for us to enjoy these freedoms and to live in a democracy, I would have to stick my head up and say, this is wrong. I can't stand that person's views. I completely disagree with them, but they have a right to be heard. They have a right to express themselves. They have a right to not be deplatformed and censored. Because otherwise, what are you creating? You've got this nanny state is creating just a, a flock of people that are all one-minded, all thinking the same way, and they're all just following the, the state off the off the cliff, just just all of them blindly. Anyone who pops up and says, No, we're not we don't agree with that, just silenced and removed. And I wouldn't put it past the state. The state have gone so far with me, there is little left for them to do. They've forced me into homelessness, they forced me uh, into prison, you know, I've had bank accounts shut down, all of my social media platforms shut down, and I'm still going. And people say to me, well, what, what do you think will happen eventually? And I'll be honest, I think that they won't stop. So I'll leave you to decide where they might end it or how they might, but I honestly think that that's the way they'll go. You know, you mentioned lefties being suppressed, you know, you would support that, but, uh, you know, for them to have free speech too. But the thing is, they never are silenced, are they? They can say any open hatred or violence or just be pro-communist with a hammer and sickle flag. Absolutely nothing will happen to them. They will not get banned. They will not get fired. They will not get defamed in the press or deplatformed anywhere. It only happens to people like us. So again, it is very imperative that we support 
support each other. Exactly. We don't have to agree 100% of the time. But there is one thing I think that we all do agree on, and that is the future of European nations. We want European nations to exist. And we know that there are, you know, lots of diversity amongst European people, lots of differences and stuff. And we can sort that stuff out later. But (laughs) I think the most important thing right now is actually that we have nations, that we have homes to, to live in, that our kids can grow up and be around other people that are like them, right? I mean, that is the most important issue to me anyway. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm with you 100%. And and the fact that we even need to say it is is just so bizarre because it's taken quite a short period of time for Britain to go from being being the, the island that was, well, you know, the most powerful force in the world. I mean, look, at I'm, I don't want to start really upsetting people and talking about the empire, right? But I'm, <laughs> I'm you know, I'm not full of guilt, so I'll, I'll quite happily speak about it. But um, even even going like past the empire, just back as, as far as the, the, the wars that we fought, um, and that sense of pride and nationalism and, and patriotism. And so if you just have to look at the time frame, we're not talking about a, a really significant amount of time that's passed for this country to completely fall into disarray. And so obviously it's only going to get worse. It's, it's, this won't repair. It's not overnight people won't say, right, we're going to sort this out. It, it's gone beyond that point, which is why I always speak of civil unrest and I keep getting told off and taken to jail for saying about civil unrest. But it's just my opinion, right? I'm not inciting it. I'm just saying that's what I think is going to happen. Um, but it is the most important thing that we retain our identity because the problem, one of the biggest problems that we've got in, in, the, in England at the moment, especially in London, is that kids are being brought up in this country with no identity. They're not allowed to identify as British. And, and actually, if I'm completely honest, this affects black children more than white. Black children at the moment, there's like this phenomenon of, of kids killing kids, stabbing each other, shooting each other, and it's black on black crime. And they are kids, they are children killing each other. And you know what the problem is there? Is that the government are peddling this narrative that to these kids that because you're black, you're oppressed, right? So these kids are actually feeding into this, even though they're not disadvantaged in any way, shape or form. They get the same, they're enjoying the same privileges as the white child sitting in the classroom next to them. It's a very multicultural city. It's a very multicultural country, right? but especially London. But what's happening is they're being told you're oppressed. And so these kids are feeling, you know, um, they're feeling ostracized. They're feeling they have a bit of a chip on their shoulder from the start. And then they're being, they're also being told, well, they don't know what their culture is, right? Most of these kids and especially these black children. And it's bad enough for white children to identify and be proud to be British. That's bad enough. But see black kids, they're told, you can't, you must be mad if you want to be proud to be British. So you've got a whole generation of young kids, uh, you know, I'm talking like from 11 to say 16, they are killing each other on the streets and it's because they don't have an identity. That doesn't, that isn't just exclusively black children, that also goes to every, every white child in the country as well. They don't have an identity, they're not allowed to be proud to be British or white or black or female or male, you can't be proud to be anything, right? You've just got to be this diluted nothing that blends in everywhere. And we can see the dangers of stripping people of any form of identity. And and, and the example just so happens to be the black community in London, but the government are too blind to see. That would be their biggest campaign, is to save that demographic, right? But Instead, 
what they want to do is they'll have they're happy for these kids to keep on killing each other and to keep the divide in this in this country they've they've brought multiculturalism to the uk and now they are playing divide and rule and it's working and it's even working within their own communities it is an absolute disgrace yeah, it never works when people are divided from their their tribe, their roots. They need a sense of brotherhood, a sense of sisterhood, a, some, a sense of something greater to fight for. And if not, then they just turn on each other. Yeah, I saw there was some article here about uh, Somali teens in UK sent away to escape <laughs> rising knife crime. This is outrageous. And you know how violent it is in Somalia. I mean, they have tons of Somalis leaving all the time and going to America and Europe. So it tells you how bad it is already. I mean, this kind of crime was unheard of before before multiculturalism right i mean i london yeah sure london always had some crime but it wasn't this bad in the uk no this is an epidemic and this is an epidemic caused by mass immigration and multiculturalism i'm sorry to say it but it's true and well, i'm not sorry to say it there is no we have to start calling things for what they are the 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 rise in knife knife crime can be directly attributed to that and to the this government divide and rule nonsense right and the stripping of identity the rise in acid attacks in London, which are have, have risen at an extraordinary rate, is because of multiculturalism and mass immigration. Because they're bringing in outside cultures where it is quite normal to chuck acid in the face of a female who disgraces a family, or you know, I don't know, doesn't doesn't wear a scarf one day. I mean, this is this is not these aren't Western values. These aren't this isn't our culture. We don't know anything of these kind of heinous attacks. Well, we didn't until mass immigration and multiculturalism. And these are, thank you very much, you know, to the British establishment for bringing all of these wonderful cultures. We now have FGM, we have grooming gangs, we have acid attacks, we have knife attacks. The, the drug, uh, the underworld, the drug underworld is, is largely run by immigrants to our country. So cheers for that, you know, because that's ruining communities from the inside so uh, what what and and in the same time these cultures are being kind of herded in well it's already happened now but they were being herded into small areas and then they were colonizing those areas and then building around and around and around and that's why you've got entire cities that are islamic they're islamic they're you drive through there's 20 odd mosques there's there's no indigenous people in sight. It looks like Pakistan. If you walk down Brick Lane in East London, you would think you are in Bangladesh. It is unrecognizable. Yes. Um, uh, I mean, I'm not a religious person. I was raised Christian. My family's all Christian. But, you know, what about all the people who don't, don't like religion? What about all the atheists in England? Now, all of a sudden, they just love, they just love Islam. They're okay with a mosque that's going to be blasting prayers however many times a day now. It's just, it's outrageous to me. But meanwhile, there's not going to be any Christian churches anywhere in a Muslim country now, is there? <laughs> of course not. I mean, look, well, what we've seen is you only have to look at the places like Nigeria and Egypt. And, and this is what I say to people, right? Because people talk to me all the time and they ask me my views on all sorts, right? So they'll say, well, what do you think of this? And what do you think of that? What do you think of, um, what do you think of what's happening in, in this obscure part of the world? Or what do you think of Israel or whatever? And th here's my honest answer, right? Before anything, I am a Christian. I am a British patriot. So I care about the people in this nation. I care about Europeans. I care about... Um, the Commonwealth. I care about my people, right? 
I care about Christians, care about the fact that, and I don't, I don't actually care, newsflash for all the, all the mainstream media despising these kind of statements coming from me. I don't care whether you're black, white, brown, or purple with green spots. I don't care what color you are. If you are being beheaded and burnt because you are worshiping Jesus by savage jihadist groups and receiving no attention whatsoever from world leaders, apart from, thank goodness, Donald Trump spoke out the other day, but that they are my people before I will concern myself with anything outside of that. Now, I know I understand you said you were, you're, you're of no faith now, but you do have to look at the irony as you, as you picked up in the atheists and, well, yeah, I mean, it really is, it does come down to the atheists and the far left and the hypocrisy and the irony in, in this narrative that they're running around hugging Muslims. They, don't, they have no idea. They are literally acting as a human shield for the likes of you and I. But when this kicks off, they're going to go first. You, you stand there with your arms wrapped around these people who are reading scriptures that say that you, need, you must be killed. Kill, submit or, or death. That's, they're your options. What do they think is going to happen? Why are they charging around the streets assuming that Islam is compatible with homosexuality and gay marriage? It isn't. Why are they running around the streets assuming that Islam is compatible with democracy and, and, and liberalism? It isn't. It doesn't like any of the Western values that I or the left try and, try and cling on to. It doesn't, it doesn't like any of those. So there is a huge amount of irony in it but um as i say i'm i, I kind of welcome the idea that they're first they're first the first in line when it all kicks off um they'll soon realize and it goes for the church leaders of this country who have their arms around muslims every single day and allow muslim prayers to be said in cathedrals in our christian nation we have to sit back and allow you know well we don't have to allow it but people do they sit back and allow this to happen we have to watch as our churches are being turned into mosques, as if there aren't enough. There are thousands and thousands of mosques all across the UK. They're using our cathedrals to pray in. I guess that's that's my criticism. I know this is such a heated topic. You know, I think of myself as more pagan. I like a lot of the indigenous European religion. So I definitely am very spiritual in that sense, uh, just not religious in the sense of, uh, you know, the Bible. But it, I mean, Christianity really has been hijacked by a lot of globalists, and they really are pushing a lot of uh, open borders policies. You see it in Sweden and all over Europe. Even America now, the conservative right has become extremely liberal and, you know, Trump now totally completely changed his tune and says he wants more immigrants more than ever in record numbers so i mean there there is that criticism of uh christianity what would you say about that yeah i mean so here's the thing uh, i'm i'm a christian i am from a catholic background so you have to yeah well you have to understand at the moment the catholic church is one of the biggest disgraces I believe in in the world right the Pope this Pope is a Marxist right he does not stand for anything I stand for any man that wants to call himself the Holy Father right which is blasphemous in itself and then absolve people of any of, of any sin when it comes to, to things like abortion basically absolving people after they carried out abortion and saying that that will continue indefinitely. So just opening up the floodgates 
for generations of, of babies to be killed. Uh, anyone that does that, they, they, I'm sorry, but it's evil. It is absolutely evil. And I can't find, I haven't found, which is great, I haven't found a Catholic yet that has said to me, yeah, we like this Pope. They've all said, look, look we don't know. And it's a difficult one, right? Because you associate yourself with that religion. It's the same thing as being British, I guess. I, I'm so proud to be British. I love my country. I love my people. But my the, the, the people in charge of my country are an absolute disgrace. Does that make me any less proud to be British? No. The Catholic Church is at the moment in the same kind of predicament. Um, we've got, you know, the, the, like I say, we have a Marxist in, in control of, of the church, we have scandal after scandal of um, priests that have been interfering with children and then it's been covered up. And so this is me being brutally honest, as a Catholic, the Catholic church is in a mess. But the churches across Europe and worldwide, but particularly in the UK, they're no longer churches. I, here's a, here's a, a fun fact for you, I have been, condemned by every church leader mm -hmm. in the UK. Not surprised. Besides <laughs> yeah. document, all of them, which I might frame, actually, I may frame it. Um, they still signed this and said, we condemn her. And do you know, it was one of the, the proudest moments of my life because I thought, and I, and I told a few of them this when I met them, I said, far be it from me to judge, right? Because I'm just a lowly human but I would say on the day of judgment, you guys are in trouble, right? Because I might be running around the streets with a cross and, and speaking some quite harsh but, but honest words about the dangers of, of Islam or multiculturalism or liberalism. I might be charging around the streets and, and saying those words that people find offensive. Do you know what would be even more offensive to God is someone standing there with a collar on, or some kind of robe on, pertaining to be a man of God, pertaining to be a church leader, whether it's the Church of England or the Catholic Church or whatever of the denominations that are across the UK, they are by far worse than you could ever imagine because pertaining to be a man of God, a holy man, and allowing churches to be turned into mosques, promoting abortion, promoting divorce, you know, diminishing the traditional family values that we have in this country to promote a liberal agenda, it, you're in trouble. You're in big trouble. And so when they all condemned me, um, it was it was actually, it was, it was one of the proudest moments for me. Um, and maybe, I, I guess... I guess we deal with basically two different forms of Christianity because in the old days, remember, they fought off Muslim hordes already. So it was a different kind of Christians. Uh, and I have a lot of Christians that listen to the show and support us. And it's like you can be a Christian but still not support open borders and multiculturalism and mass immigration. You can be Christians, but Christians in your own countries, right? How Where God puts you, if you will, how you were made. I mean, we were already divided. That is uh, the diversity of the world and we should preserve that it's a beautiful thing people view it as it's something awful that we live in different countries and there's borders and things that we have to mush it all up now what if all of the muslims do you think that this would make a difference i don't but if all the muslims that were currently in the uk converted to christianity do you think it would actually change anything yes yeah if they if they did it with an honest heart it would change it would change an immediate issue that we have 
with regards to uh, if you look at the demographics, right, and like the colonization of areas and the formation of, of, of like Islamic ghettos, they the, the traditions of Islam, the, the, the structure of Islam goes against Western values entirely. So there's no way for there to be any form of integration or assimilation into Western culture. It's not possible. Christianity, you know, the UK is a Christian Christian nation. Um, Christianity isn't incompatible with Western values. Obviously, the governments keep legislating against Christianity, but largely it's compatible. So yes, that would make a difference in the immediate because we'd see the, the immediate danger wouldn't necessarily be there um, in terms of this fundamental kill everyone who's not a Muslim because Surah 9 tells you to. Um, but here's, here's the thing. I'm so, so done with Islam. I've been talking about it for five years. We've got to stop blaming the Muslims for all of these problems. If these Muslims did not invade our nation, they did not. You were speaking. You spoke just a moment ago about the the Crusades when the, the you know mm-hmm. when the, the real popes <laughs> were leading the Crusades against the Muslims that were tearing through Europe and pillaging and raping and, and and massacring Christians. This is not what has happened. They have not forced themselves into our nation. They were invited. And here's the difference. And here's why I think my immediate answer to to your question, would it would make a difference and it would solve a lot. But whilst the government is still self-sabotaging and still throwing its country to the wolves and its people to the wolves, there will be some other, if it, if it, you know, if it, there's plenty more Muslims to bring into the country for a start, but there'd be some other agenda to just completely destroy the people within this nation. And so I, but I do believe that Islam is the biggest threat to civilization. I have no doubt about that. I mean, his, history and the Islamic scriptures dictate that that Muslims are Muslims are to follow a certain um, narrative, and that is that they're not allowed to they're not allowed to just be comfortable and settle. Right? They have to spread Islam has to be spread across the world until there is no fitna, no disbelief, and everyone is for Allah. That is a command within the Quran. They are obliged to, to carry out jihad. I'm talking jihad with full force and weaponry. These are the words of the Quran, not mine. Until everyone has either submitted to Islam, like converted to Islam, or they're, they're killed. There is no in-between. We only have to look at the, the history of Islam and see that they're doing a pretty good job of spreading. Our country is falling. My country is falling to, to Islam. And that's Great Britain. That's we're talking about, you know, one of the, the, the mo- most formidable, uh, you know, powers in the world at one point is caving to an ideology that, you know, derived from the desert, from some illiterate being that decided he'd had a few revelations and was going to be, you know, the new, the new prophet. It's, it's absurd. It is absolutely absurd. So... The fact that the government have allowed that to happen indicates to me that even if they all did convert, I'd love to see that, by the way. I'd be, I'd be, I'm all about conversion. Not going to happen, though. Not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Why would it? 
I mean, we maybe a maybe a couple here or there, but in mass, no, no way, no way. Right, but um, you know what the problem we've got here is that because, and I touched on this earlier, because the kids here have got no identity, and it's the most vulnerable people that are susceptible to this. But because the kids have got no identity, we've got like young men, for example, who um, end up in jail or they're at university and they don't know themselves. They're being told. They're being told. It's not, you, you're not, you don't have to identify as a man, right? You can mm. be whatever you want. So you need to get in touch with your feminine side. We need to see you crying. You need to be putting makeup on and wearing women's underwear. And, you know, be more concerned about your looks than your masculinity. Don't, you don't want, you, you don't want to, you don't want to confine yourself to this stereotype of I am a man. I, my, my purpose is to look after women, you know, who are going to raise children and, and, and work hard. <laughs> you can't do that anymore. You can't be tough. That's what the, the, the state have peddled, this narrative with these young men. And on top of that, they haven't got any identity nationality-wise because they're not allowed to say that they're British or what have you. So they're just beings. They're just floating about with, with yeah, no they're, identity. Yeah, they're completely disconnected from their roots, from their ancestors. That's one thing that uh, really spoke to me about paganism is a lot of the ways of our ancestors before Christianity. You know, people think that they were just... Uh, these savages that didn't have any kind of code of honor or morals, which is just utterly untrue. You know, they actually had rich mythology and beliefs. And I mean, some there's some beautiful allegory there. It's something that just spoke to me immediately. And I think that if a lot of younger kids heard some of those things, I think that it would change change things on the subconscious level. But as far as, sorry, go ahead. Because they don't hear about those things that you have researched and I have researched and we are both aware of, which is what gives us, um, I think, an insight or, or, I don't know, red pill, call it what you like. We're maybe more switched on than these kids are. Because they're not switched on and they don't have this identity and they don't have any of this, they don't know about their heritage and their culture and and they're just existing, they are so susceptible, they are ripe for the picking, for, uh, for conversion. And it happens in universities and prisons largely, en masse. You will see young white British men going into prison, nothing about them, not tough, don't know what they are, don't, you know, not, not, you know, you're not talking about strong patriotic men that are going into prison or to university and they know who they are and they're solid in their beliefs and in, in their religion or whatever. They have none of that. So they go into these jails or they go into universities and they are just preyed upon and the conversion rate in those two institutions Prislam, is... right? Prislam, yeah. They're, they're craving something strong and forceful that they're misconstruing as something masculine, right? Of course. Yeah, uh, but I think ultimately, though, even if they became Christians, I still think there are a lot of ethnic differences. You know, I've traveled around the world and I've been to a lot of places, seen a lot of d- things. And I still think there are, is a lot of beyond religion. There is ethnic differences that exist in major cultural things uh, that's. I don't think would be so compatible, and and they shouldn't be. That's the beauty of diversity, though, that they have their geography here, and we have ours here, and we can visit each other. But it doesn't mean we all have to live with each other. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like, look, this is the thing. So you're right. It's not. It doesn't just boil down to religion. I mean, like, like you know, as I say, the the main issue in with with Muslims in in the UK is that. I know what they're reading, right? I know what their scriptures say. So if you follow those scriptures, there's obviously a propensity for people to commit the acts that are being encouraged and incited in those scriptures. And it says over a hundred times that they're obliged to kill non-Muslims. And so it's like, 
it's like the Nazi handbook, right? They say, oh, you've got to ban the Nazi handbook because it says you to, to, to kill the Jews and people might read that and kill the Jews. This book says kill the Jews and the Christians and everyone else that isn't a Muslim, but it's not banned. So I don't know how we're not drawing this parallel. And I said this in a speech and I just quoted what the book said. I didn't give an opinion on it. And now I'm looking at a year in jail. So whilst, yes, it would be great if they'd all convert to Christianity and I'd love to see that, there are ethnic differences. Of course there are. The cultural differences are screaming out at you if you just go to certain parts of the UK. Go to Bradford. Go to, go to Rochdale. You know, go to Luton, go to Berry Park. I'm talking complete colonies um, of, of, of Muslims. It doesn't look like the quaint village that you find in, in Kent or Hampshire or, or the home counties. There are cultural differences, significant. And that's why when you travel the world, you see such a vast, you know, such, such a huge difference in our cultures because they exist. They're not a myth. They exist. And throwing those people together is not going to work because there will be cultural clashes. And people, yes, there is there is the capability. Humans are quite um, humans are quite susceptible to indoctrination, actually, um, and, and becoming indoctrinated in their own surroundings. And therefore, and that, that you see that again in like prison set, setups, that kind of big brother setup. And therefore, on a on a superficial level, you might see some level of embracing a, a, a foreign or a different culture. But inherently, they are still from that makeup. Their culture, their ethnicity is from that makeup, that, that DNA, that culture, that heritage, that existence. And you, we see it worldwide. And there is no problem with those differences. That is not a racist statement to say that we are different. It's a fact. Yeah. And exactly. Why should we not be different? Like you said, we can be different in our own nations. We can visit each other's nations and embrace and enjoy and experience each other's cultures. But I don't want my culture diluted with a, a culture that's come from, you know, the Middle Eastern desert or exactly. from. And the, the thing art. is, you end up liking them more and respecting them more when you don't have to live with them all the time. <laughs> you know? That's that's usually how it is. When you get to visit and you get to leave, and it's like, oh, that wasn't so bad. I like these people. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And then with us, and the same with us. If we, if look, if a whole heap of Brits rocked up in some small village in Africa and kind of just, just, I mean, look, even right, not even Africa. Let's just use a, a more. Um, I suppose a more commonly used example, people always say to me, oh, you say you don't like colonization and all that, but what about Spain? It's like there are parts of Spain that's like little Britain. I don't like that. I don't like it at all. I think the Spaniards say, listen, you lot either get involved in our Spanish culture or bugger off back to England. We, they, don't, they shouldn't have colonies in Spain of expats from the UK that are basically turning parts of Spain into little Britain. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be happening. You should go to Spain and embrace and experience uh, Spanish culture. The same in Africa, same in Asia, same on every continent, every country. We all have our own, you know, our own quirky um, traits that we that we need to keep hold of because that's what we are made up of. This this world order just wants to see a complete blend of everything so there's nothing left just there's just one existing race and that's the human race and there's nothing else behind it and we're all just kind of puppets
Exactly. Exactly. And no, we're not going to let that happen. And I think the majority of people don't want that to happen. And we have a lot of people outside of, you know, European countries that that support us 100%. They don't want to see Europeans gone from the planet because they actually do like us. I think we deal with some of the most rabid anti-whiteness within our own within our own countries. So, <laughs> but I think the the rest of the world, they actually still like people and want white people and want them to exist too. And they completely understand where we're coming from. And we're really the only people who are told that we can't have a nation of our own, that our countries are now for everyone, right? And it's racist to say anything otherwise. But you brought up a good point uh, about, you know, Muslims in the UK. It is just a symptom. And, and we know that definitely you can't just blame those people who are trying to get to the root of it. What is the actual root that caused this? Is there a group behind it? What is their motives? And a lot of times I find whenever we try and get to those things, those videos get uh, banned and blocked and limited for even <laughs> simply question and they're the kind of discussions and they always do get black abandoned blocks right they get pulled down quicker than than you, you can hit the send button uh, or the publish button but i love those kind of videos and i love those kind of discussions because you know what we're free to talk about it that we're allowed to talk about it why shouldn't we be why shouldn't we be able to say and some of it's not palatable for everyone some of it's going to be deeply offensive for certain people but guess what you know, well, it is now a criminal offence to offend people because I've just been convicted of it on, I think, 10 charges now. Um, seven in the last two trials and then uh, some more, I think it was three in the one before. So about 10 charges of just offending people. So actually it is a criminal offence. But when did it become a criminal offence to offend people? When, when could we stop offending people? I'm offended every day. People say the most disgusting things to me, right? Every day you get these mad lefties or these Muslims and they contact me and they say, I'm going to, I hope you die of cancer. and I'm going to kill you and rape your dead body. And as long as they do it in that order, I'm all right. <laughs> but you know, I get all these, these really offensive comments and some of them are threats, right? That crosses the threshold, but even then I don't report them. People saying, oh, she's ugly or she's this or she's that. and That's their opinion. They're allowed to express yeah. their opinion. It's not for me to start silencing people. If they're inciting, which is what the Quran does, if they're inciting genocide, then you have got a problem with it. I have a problem with that. Yeah, exactly. People openly talking about murdering people on the streets. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a little different. But it, it's funny how it only hate speech only works one way. It only works in our direction. Anytime we're critical or question and say, wait a minute, hold on here. Hate speech, hate speech, you know, it's just very Orwellian. So now tell us about your next trial date. What's happening? What's that with that? Right. So I am I am back in court on the 3rd of May for sentencing. So I've been convicted, I was found guilty um, for those hate speech trials. And on the 3rd of May, the judge will tell me what my sentence is. So that's the next one coming up. I've had a couple of um, cases in England adjourned within the last few days. I was due in court on Monday in England but my bail conditions from my Northern Ireland trial dictate that I now have to stay at my house in Northern Ireland and the probation service in England are saying that if I do so, I'm going to be jailed in England. So when all the stuff's done in Northern Ireland, just because I've been living here, I'm going to have to face jail, um, sorry, court in England and probably jail just for living in my own home, as you do. That's the welcome to Britain 2019. 
All right. So how can people help you? Because this is important. We need to rally the troops. I know you're you're dealing with this trial. Obviously, you have to bounce around. You're, you're, you don't have a job. You need some help. So you need some monetary support. So how can people do that? Because I know that you had a credit card processor that was banned, of course, you know, and Knights Templar, or at least one group. I know there's a lot of different Knights Templar groups, not like just one big Knights Templar group. But I know that they offered to step in and help you. So how can people actually donate to help you out? Right, so yes, the, the Knights Templar International have um, stepped forward and it, they have been an absolute godsend, to be honest, because whilst all of this has been happening, I left the political movement that I was affiliated with for the last five years, I was a, a co-leader of. I haven't been paid for a long time. I have no payment processes, so I'm not able to my, get my own organisation generating any income. I'm being sued for half a million pounds by the Halal Food Authority. <laughs> and I'm facing jail imminently. So the Knights Templar stepped in and they do a lot of work with persecuted Christians and they said, we're gonna help you out. And they were at an absolute godsend because I'll tell you what, at that moment when they stepped in was, was critical. Like it was, it was almost the end. You know, I couldn't, I, I, I've started Jada France and Dot Online. That's my new venture. Now, Obviously, I have a lot of legal issues going on at the moment, so my time is being invested in sorting all of that stuff out. But if you, the way to keep in touch with me and to stay in touch with me is jadafranson.online. Go on, sign up. Um, you'll receive updates from me. It's it, you know, it's free to sign up. You receive updates from me. I'll, you can watch the latest videos, and I can tell you what's going on because I've been deplatformed. So that's the first way to help. The second way is, and this is this is linked with the, the Knights Templar International, the KTI, they have set up a, a page for me. It's helpjada.com. Um, and if you type in helpjada.com, it will take you to their fundraising page. And they are basically the only um, organization that has, has actually stepped forward and said, right, this isn't right. We're going to do something about this. They've stepped forward and there's a page where you can donate. And these this money is going towards several trials, appeals. Um, I have, as I said before, I have criminal matters against me for hate speech. They need to be appealed. I have civil matters against me, the Halal Food Authority. They're suing me for half a million pounds. That needs to be, um, these all of these actions need to be defended. And the state have orchestrated this so that I am without, even without capability of earning any money. So it's almost a given that they'll be able to jail me. It's all a big, you know, it's, it's, it's a state agenda. Um, but if anybody wants to help, those are the two ways to do it. Sign up, stay in touch with me. And if you're able to donate, you can do so at, jada, at helpjada.com. And um, I'd be really grateful. Yes, guys, please help her out. She definitely needs it. We need to rally around her. So please do it. Thank you, Jada, for coming on with me today. I know you're going through a lot. And so I, I really appreciate it. And it's good to finally connect with you. I know you're doing the right thing. So just stay encouraged. Yeah, no, it's been great coming on. It's been a, a, an absolute pleasure finally getting to speak to you. And um, yeah, just keep going because it's always great to speak to like-minded people. There seem to be there's a lot of people out there that are like-minded, but there's very few that speak out. So um, it's always great to just, sometimes I even forget that 
that other people are involved and just feel like we're having a good chat. <laughs> but it's been brilliant to speak to you. <laughs> you too. Well, I'll uh, let you go and then we'll get into some of the chats there because I know you're quite busy. So you have a good night and try and get some rest. <laughs> I'll try. As much too. as you can. <laughs> okay. Take care. Okay, guys. So we'll get to some of the chats here. Okay, truck my ad. Man, you tune in all the time. Thank you. I really appreciate that. For the Valkyrie, Shield Maidens, holding it down. Okay, nice. Uh, Roar, Muslims own Hollywood, guys. Yeah, very funny, very funny. <laughs> say brav, keep up the good work. Well, thank you. I felt bad because I always want to say Jaden with her name. What is Jada? Jada Franson. Jaden. <laughs> Jada. Anyway, Double Dog. Where's legitimate site to support you? Well, with her, we just mentioned that, right? Uh, they will be more accepting of you if you demonstrate in bin bag. Oh, you mean like a, a burqa? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Kimberly Bentley, thank you. Mr. Wonderful, thank you. Eyes wide open, thank you. No message. Henrik Manuver, the Pope is a dangerous joke. Never trust a man dressed like a space pimp. <laughs> It's true. And what about that? They, they wore this one weird fish hat, too, or like some people have kind of joked around and said it's like a, a big vagina hat, right? Big man, 1611, from a Christian. I do like this girl. Well, that's good. She she is very nice. Zoomer Hub, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam equals one religion. Abrahamism in the end. What comes from the desert will bring with the desert, turning all into dust. Well, as you guys know, we're pagans here, so I'm not big on the Abrahamic religions either, but Lisa and I can have a good conversation and, and talk about those things without any animosity. That's what's important because I see people getting so triggered on some of these things. Zoomer Hub, say goodbye to the pagan forests of green and mountains of winter. Say hello to the desert cult of indoctrination. Jew, Christian, Muslim alike. Well, we're not going to let that happen. Zoomer Hub, to be fair, Russians is uh, Eastern Orthodox. I respect. That is true. And there there is a difference. A lot of the Eastern Orthodox, they aren't as cucked, if you will, when I talk to them. And it's completely different. And it also, a lot of the Orthodox religions follow more of the old uh, pagan, actually. more. There's some of the more pagan aspects that are implanted in there in some of their traditions and stuff, which I like. Kronosai, look at the Quran, and it has two parts. Mecca and post-Medina, whether it was a follower of some supernatural reason, the real Muhammad did not reach Medina alive. It isn't God that guides Islam now. Well, I don't think it ever was, and I don't think, you know, it's the big thing. Everyone says, oh, we're all God's people. Are we? I don't know. <laughs> Do we all come from the same place? I don't know. Zoomer Hub, the West will be found in the East tomorrow. Russians, Estonians, Finns, Belarusians, Ukrainians, and hold tradition highly. We will see this. Well, I hope so. As a Slav, I don't mind that. I support that. So thanks, guys. I know even if you don't agree with her 100%, uh, I know what the big issue is here, but it's important to rally behind everyone being silenced. I mean, she's sticking her neck out there. She's gone to prison for nine months, guys. How many of you guys have been in prison for nine months? And then she's facing another year. I mean, this is this is hardcore. So, you know, she's just speaking up the truth and talking about even just little ba basic issues that are just really self-evident and in your face and she can't even do that so the mainstream media too they're not even talking about her and there's even alternative outlets who are choosing to not talk about her even though she's being jailed i mean it's literally crickets in the media and i think that this is how they want to handle it is people like us are literally thrown in gulags they'll just 
be quiet about it, not tell people about it, act like it doesn't exist and hope that we just go away. So we can't just do nothing. It is important to help her out. If anyone's been in a legal battle, you know how awful that is just vibe-wise and financially. And so she needs her help. She's bouncing around from different places, too. There's warrants. I mean, this is crazy. Warrants out for her arrest when I first called her up there. She said, don't be surprised if someone you know comes through the door, the police comes through the door to arrest me, that it's actually happened before and they've tried. So... You know, this is this is hardcore. So, all right, guys, thanks for watching. See you on Friday. We have Flashback Friday, of course, and I'll talk to you then. Have a good night. Bye.